Thank you, everybody. Well, good morning, church family. How are you all? Oh, I'm excited about Jesus. I just posted today that insecurity is the fuel of pride and the love of Jesus is the fuel of humility. Ah, bah. I was just shaving and the Lord just, yeah, I, I, I was just cleaning a little up, you know. And uh, I had some, um, I had some treatment done on my face earlier this week. Uh, I had some like age sunspots and things and my wife just didn't like them anymore. So she's like, honey, I'm going to take you over to this skin place. And I loved it because I, I got to witness uh, about the love of Jesus to this beautiful Chinese lady doctor. And, uh, and just the presence of God filled the filled the, uh, the clinic. It was amazing. And I walked out with chicken pox uh, after they'd lasered all these things on my face. And uh, I'm so grateful to the Lord that it subsided enough for me to be here looking healthy instead of like I've got the measles or something. Ah, God's good, isn't he? Shika banga. I thank God for technology. I really do. Father, we want to thank you so much for your kingdom that's coming all over the earth. It's been invading the earth. Uh, and, and ever since your son came and established the kingdom on the earth, and we just thank you with all of our hearts for the joy of being chosen into your family in Christ Jesus, where we get to rule and reign with Jesus here on the earth. We thank you for the things that have been taught us Lord, thank you for Bill Johnson teaching us that heaven is invading earth. Lord, thank you for the truth of the kingdom coming here on earth. But Lord, we also thank you for the truth that your will, you desire to do your will and you've chosen us to do your will through us. And so each of us this morning, Lord, we present ourselves to you as living sacrifices. We ask you that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. And all those who agree, say amen. 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 We're starting a new series uh, and we're going to be going for several weeks looking at the life of Joseph, Daniel, and Esther and how they encountered God's transforming presence and transformed their world. And uh, I'm excited. I get to start this morning, and my, the title is Living the Dream. Living the Dream. We're going to start with the life of Joseph for the next few weeks. And the title of my message this morning is Living the Dream. Well, that hit you like a wet fish around the face, didn't it? <laughs> Turn with me to the book of Genesis and chapter 37. Genesis 37. I want to pull out some keys this morning concerning living the dream. And I guess my, I have two subtitles. Number one, who's the hero of your dreams? Who's the hero in your dreams? And number two, I want to talk about cultivating a culture of dreaming in a family. 
So verse 1, now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob, Joseph. You know that your history doesn't actually start really until your children come along. And it's actually your children who write your story. And that's both true in the natural and also in the spiritual. So for those of you who don't have any children, don't lose heart, don't don't uh, be offended in any way because God has called all of us to bear fruit and have spiritual children. And more blessed is the barren than the fruitful in Isaiah. Speaking of the day of the kingdom when we would all have spiritual children. And, uh, but the truth is, the testimony of your spirituality is not necessarily just through your life. It's also and predominantly through the life of your spiritual offspring. I was just telling a young man yesterday that the measure of the quality of your parenthood is not completely visible until you see the grandchildren, until you meet your grandchildren, until the day when your grandchildren come on the earth. The testimony of whether you were raising children or whether you were raising parents is visible only in the grandchildren. And far too many families are simply merely raising children rather than raising parents and future champions. This is the history of Jacob, Joseph. Shikabungu. Who are the children, the spiritual children that are writing the story of your life? Being 17 years old, was feeding the flock of his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report to them of his father. Ooh. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of, all of his children because he was the son of his old age. And also he made him a tunic of many colors. A technicolor dream coat. But when his brothers saw all that their father, uh, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers, they hated him, and they could not speak peaceably to him. Mm. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, "Please hear this dream which I've dreamed." There we were, binding sheaves in the field, and then, behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around. It was an amazing dream. And then they all bowed down to my sheaf. Well, okay, cool it, guys. And his brother said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and he told it to his brothers and said, Look, I've dreamed another dream and this time the sun, the moon and the eleven stars bowed down to me. And so he told it to his father and his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you've dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? 
and his brothers envied him. But his father kept the matter in his mind. Now we know the story goes on, that the context of the story, Joseph goes on, and indeed, everything in his dream, almost everything in his dream came to pass. Only there was a, a miserable 13-year journey until he came to a place of power in Egypt. You see, his brothers hated him so much that after a few days or weeks of that, where we just left off, they found an opportunity to throw him in a pit when no one was looking. And then they sold him to the Midianite traders who took him in chains and stocks, iron stocks and chains, all the way down to Egypt, a foreign land where he was sold in a slave market. And Potiphar, the captain of Pharaoh's army, bought him. Then he lived with Potiphar as a slave. He became so prosperous because the Lord was with him that he, Potiphar put him in charge of everything, only for Potiphar's wife to start taking a fancy to him, started getting a crush on him. And then because he was unwise in what he said to her, look, your, your husband has put everything in charge, in my charge, even you. She began to despise him. You see, he still had a problem with his words. And she began to start hating him and look because she was shunned, a scorned woman. And so she began to despise him and she set a trap for him. She tried to make out with him. He fled. She grabbed his coat. So ironic that it was a coat. And as he ran, she kept his coat. And when her husband came back from his travels, she said, look, that Hebrew that you put in charge of everything. Yeah, well, he came to try to uh, rape me, but I, I managed to cry out and he fled. And I have his coat. Here's the evidence that it's true. The master Potiphar was so devastated because he loved Joseph. Everything that Joseph touched prospered, but he knew there's no way I'm going to believe Joseph over my wife. And so he threw Joseph into jail and Joseph began literally, in, and Joseph began to just wither in the most horrific squalor. We, we really can't get in touch with how much he suffered because our prisons, thankfully, are nothing like the dungeons of those days. But he was in total darkness most of the time, underground. The air was filled with the stench of human feces and urine. And he was literally waiting in it for years and years and years. God prospered him in there and the jailer put him in charge of everybody. A butler and a baker came. They had dreams. Joseph rightly interpreted their dreams. The baker was executed. The butler was restored to his position. And Joseph said to him as he left the dungeon, Remember me, won't you? Don't let me suffer in this place any longer. And the Bible tells us that for two full years, the butler completely forgot about Joseph. And Joseph languished in jail. Two years later, Pharaoh had two dreams. In two dreams, he dreamt of withered wheat, ears of withered wheat being, uh, sorry, ears of beautiful, plentiful wheat coming up, seven of them, and then seven withered 
wheat heads coming up and the seven withered wheat heads devoured the seven plentiful heads, bountiful heads. Then he woke up, went back to sleep. He had a second dream. He dreamed that there were seven big fat cows coming out of the river Nile. And then later, seven very thin scrawny cows came out and the seven scrawny cows ate the big fat cows. And he woke up very troubled and none of his magicians could tell anybody or tell him how to interpret the dream. Then the butler remembered, oh my goodness, there is a man and I've been so remiss in forgetting all about him, but there is a man, a Hebrew in the dungeons who can interpret dreams. Pharaoh said, send for him right now. They brought him out. They gave him a bath for about three hours. They covered him in lotion and perfume to get rid of that horrible stench of years and years of urine and feces matted into every part of his, fo every follicle and every part of his hair. They shaved him. They dressed him. They presented him to Pharaoh. The big moment came. Pharaoh said, I, I hear that you are somebody that can interpret the dreams. And Joseph had learned his lesson in 13 years of suffering. He said, no, only God can interpret dreams. Hallelujah. No matter what you're going through, May God always be greater than whatever suffering you feel you're enduring. May you learn in the midst of your suffering to walk in the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is the, I, I, I've, I've thought about it long and hard, but the fear of the Lord is the consciousness of Christ and the constraint of love. It's to always be conscious of Jesus above all other things, above all circumstances, above all people, above all plans, above all dreams, above all, all plans of action, above all strategies, above all family members, above even your wife or your husband, above your children. May Jesus always be greater than any angels in your heart. May Jesus always be greater than any possessions or power, or fame, or likes on Instagram, or, or, or Facebook followers, or whatever else it is. May Jesus always be greater to you than the treasure of this world. May Jesus always be greater than any money that you could ever have. And Joseph got to this point, and he said, no, not I, but God. Not I, but God. You can tell where your heart's at with how much you talk about Jesus all week. Is he your first thought? And therefore, he just flows out of your mouth. In the moment when he could have really screwed it up, there was something about suffering that helps you not to screw things up. And in that moment, when he was pushed... Jesus came oozing out of him. He said, no, I don't have the ability to interpret dreams. In fact, he might have gone on to say, you know, I've had a pretty spotty history when it comes to interpreting dreams. My own dreams are in tatters, in pieces. I'm a car wreck, to be honest. 
I interpreted some dreams more recently, a couple of years ago, that were semi-accurate, but they couldn't have been that big a deal because the guy that I was hoping would get me out forgot all about me. When Pharaoh told him the dreams, Joseph said, Pharaoh, the two dreams that you've had are one. God has shown you what he's planned for the future. And God has shown you this so that you can save the world. I've realized the dreams are not about us. <laughs> it's about God and his eternal purpose and it's about saving the world. The problem is we're so often the hero of our own dreams when in reality Jesus is the hero of our dreams. And the world are the recipient and the beneficiaries of our dreams. It's a little bit like having a, being, discovering that your parents have, have set up a trust fund. And they're the trustees. And you're the beneficiaries. Well, guess what? The father set up a trust fund. Jesus, Shaka Banga, has made us his trustees. But the beneficiaries are our friends, our family, our colleagues, our bosses, the people that we live with, the people that serve us coffee in the coffee shops, the people who, who well, not many people serve us gas anymore, but the, the people that, are in, that we come in touch with day to day, whether it's on Facebook and Instagram, social media, or whether it's in our actual you know, non-virtual reality, which sometimes virtual reality seems to be more real than reality. But the point is that the world are the beneficiaries of our encounters. The world are the beneficiaries of his presence in us. The world are meant to be the beneficiaries of his power and his anointing upon our lives. It's not so that we can look good and knock people down. It's not so that we can do miracles so that we can, ah, whoo, wow, come on, I'm going to write a book on how to open the eyes of the blind. The world are the beneficiaries. Your success financially is for the world to be a beneficiary, not you. God has given you business strategies, not just to make you great, but so that you can serve the world with the fruit of your business strategies. Because he loves the world. He hasn't given you amazing business acumen so that you can hoard it all for yourself and you can write books and become even more famous in all of your goodness and famousness and elitism and all the rest of it. No, he's done it all so that you can learn to become a servant of all and manifest Jesus in your world. Shakaraba. And this isn't a political agenda. This isn't a social economic agenda. This is the kingdom of heaven. It's the way of the kingdom. That the greatest shall become the least. That those who are kings should become servants with the heart of a king. Bill Johnson just says it so well. Serve with the heart of a king and be a king with the heart of a servant. Shakaraba. I want to... <laughs> when that video came on and there was me going for it at the 25th anniversary last month, I'm like, Shikabanga, that guy just needs to learn how to preach a little. 
Okay, I want to pull out seven keys for making sure that number one, we live the dream, number two, that the right hero is the hero of our dreams, and number three, that we cultivate as a community and as a family a culture of celebration of one another's dreams. And there are some amazing lessons that are right here in these 11 verses. Number one, there are no favorites, everybody, except for this. We're all favorites. We are God's favorites. We're God's favorites. Not only are we all favorites, the reason why we're all favorites is because we all have one father. And he is very elderly, except not the elderliness of this world. He is the ancient of days. <laughs> He's got a very long white beard. I'm thinking of growing mine, actually. I, I, I met somebody just yesterday, a friend of mine, Rifle. Uh, he's, he's a South African um, from Richmond, and his beard, honey, was down here, down here, and it came, you know, it was, it was about, it was sort of, it looked like it had had a modest start, like mine, and, um, and, but it just kept coming down, and down, and down, not wide, not bushy, just long, very kind of, ooh, very sort of Gandalfish, yeah, very, very, Actually, very rather like Chris's, actually, you know. And, 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 and I don't know if it's allowable to have beard envy, but I, I'm, I'm beginning to get it a little bit since mine's been growing. And I said to Rifle, how long has it taken for you to, you know, grow your beard that long? I mean, it's down here, your tummy button. We're polite in England. We say tummy button, not belly button. And... Uh, he said, three years. Well, you could have knocked me over with a feather. I'm convinced it would have taken 30 years to grow that long. Three years, I'm like, whoa, that gives me hope. I'm going to go for it, honey. No? Okay, all right. <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, clearly not going to work in the Smith household in the same way as it does in the rifle household. Anyway, there are no favorites. We all have one father. And number two, he's clothed us all in the most glorious technicolored dream coat of garments of salvation and robes of righteousness. The robe of the eldest son, Jesus, has been placed upon your shoulders forever. Never look at anybody according to the flesh. Number two, if you're going to have a culture of celebration of dreams in a family, and if there is going to be the right hero in the dream, and therefore you're going to live the dream, let there never be any bad reports. Let there never be a bad report. At least not from your mouth. One of the seven 
sins in the book of Proverbs, the things that God hates the most is one who sows discord among his brothers. Don't join in when people say unkind things about other people. Don't join in. Just, just, just zip it up. You know, it's, it's just, it's just, that's, just practice that with me for just a moment. Come on, I, I said practice it with me for just a moment. Get used to shutting your mouth. Listen to me, everybody. Believe the best in everybody. Believe for the best in everybody. Why? Because we've got one Father. Believe the best in everybody. The story hasn't been finished yet. Laura Stavlos preached an unbelievable message yesterday on this platform at Epic Business Conference, which, by the way, if you missed it, I'm so sorry for you. It was incredible. Don't worry, you've only got 364 days to wait until the next one. She preached an incredible message, and one of her big points was, the story is not over yet. Your story's not over. Not only is your story not over, their story's not over. So don't point the finger because there's a great redeemer who's at work. And you don't know, but this person that you're tail-bearing on, this person that you're giving a bad report about, this person that you're running your mouth off about, and by the way, saying it on Facebook is just the same as in real life. And when you are running your mouth off in your posts, or just talking to somebody in a coffee shop about somebody else, while you're doing that, you're saying that about somebody who has the same father as you and is at work in you to bring about their dreams to pass as much as your dreams to pass. And you may not realize it, but maybe they're going to be a future deliverer of the people of God, like Joseph. Maybe they might be a savior of the world. Shakabanga. No bad reports. Believe the best in everyone. Cultivate a culture of believing the best. Amen? And, you know, just like Jacob's family, we're a blended family, everybody. We're a blended family, okay? That Jacob had a blended family. Bless him. All 12 of his sons, they came from four different mothers. The two people that Joseph decided to bring a bad report to his dad and became a snitch, as we say in England, or a tattletale. What do you call it in America? Tattletale? A what? A narc. A narc. Oh, a snitch. You say snitch too? Thank goodness something made it across the Atlantic. Joseph was snitching everybody. And you know what? He chose the wrong four boys to snitch on. He chose to snitch on Dan and Gad, the children of Zilpah. And he chose to snitch on uh, Naphtali and Asher, the children of Bilhah. Those two mothers were slave girls that the Leah and Rachel gave to Jacob so that he could have more children, all in a whole jealous, nasty web of horribleness that God brought together for good and brought the 12 tribes of Israel out of. 
But guess which of those sons probably were the most deeply insecure and felt the most unloved? It was probably those four boys. And he brought a bad report instead of believing the best in them. Instead of keeping it to himself and praying for his brothers, he went and tattletailed and snitched on his, on his brothers to his dad. Guess what? It doesn't get you brownie points with God. When you tail bear on, when you tell tales on your brothers and sisters, we're all a blended family, but we've got one father. Number three, no dream is disallowed. Nightmares are disallowed. But be careful, be careful that God's dream for your life, you don't allow it to turn into a nightmare because you think that God's dream for your life is all about you. You see, if you think that God's dream for your life is all about you, you will be disappointed as God allows the whole thing to unfurl and unfold without you at the center of it, but rather him at the center of it and the world as the beneficiaries of it. And you will find that your dream that you thought was a dream about you and you and you and you, me, myself and I, the glorious trinity of me, myself and I, <laughs> will turn into a nightmare. Because the God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit will allow you to go through all kinds of things till you come to the point where your insecurities are secured in His love and where your pride is brought down and humility is formed in your heart so that you can be a servant of all like God. It will feel like a nightmare until you wake up and God turns it into the most glorious dream. But be careful that you are not at fault for that turning into a nightmare. No dream is disallowed. In a family like this, there are dreamers among us. Hands up if you're a dreamer. Oh, look at that. Everybody's putting their hands up. I like it. This is a dream incubator, everybody. This is a family of dreamers. Please let your dreams be big. Let them be big. Let them be as big as they possibly can. Why? Because we were born to rule the world. But not on our own. <laughs> not at the center of the throne that's ruling. No, that belongs to someone else, as we'll see in just a moment. So therefore, let's celebrate everyone's dreams okay and never allow someone else's dream to threaten you in your dreams because they're not the hero of their dreams and you're not the hero of your dreams therefore nobody else's dream should ever threaten you number four no dream should ever be left uninterpreted It's so sad that Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, we're talking about the grandson of Abraham, the great dreamer, who had God appear to him multiple times in many dreams, who was the father of Isaac, who had God appear to him in multiple dreams and visions of the day. Then Jacob, who had the most 
one of the most famous dreams of any human being where he sees a ladder going up into heaven and angels ascending and descending on it and he calls the place Bethel setting up Bill Johnson and all the family <laughs> kidding. and apparently Bethel's been an op- under an open heaven for a long time <laughs> Jacob failed to encourage his son's dreams. Jacob abdicated and just pondered these things in his heart. Hmm. He didn't sit down with his son and say, son, who else was in the dream? Son, what else did you see in the dream? Are you sure that it was just you and your brothers in the first dream. Are you sure that it was just you, your brothers, your mom and I in your second dream? Are you sure there wasn't someone else? You see, if your dream is a God dream, God is always in that dream. And the problem today with all of us in the church is that so often we have our dreams, we have our destiny, we're all about the fulfillment of our dreams and we're all about the fulfillment of our destiny, but there's someone missing in all of our language because someone's missing in our vision, Jesus. And there was someone missing everybody in Joseph's dreams as a 17 year old. Who was missing? Pharaoh. Pharaoh. And Pharaoh is an Egyptian title for a king. And Pharaoh was missing in Joseph's dreams. You see, because all the brothers were bowing down to him, but only because Pharaoh had given him the authority. And he was number two to Pharaoh and frequently bowed down to Pharaoh. But Joseph couldn't see Pharaoh And Jacob certainly couldn't see Pharaoh. And none of the brothers could see Pharaoh because they did not take time to seek the Lord to interpret Joseph's dreams. They just got angry with them, jealous of them, and envied them and hated him. And when you hate, I guarantee you will not see Jesus. When you are steadfast in hatred, you cannot see Jesus, feel Jesus, or know his presence. And it takes a very radical encounter with Jesus to lift a person from hatred to love. But I thank God that the Bible's full of examples of people filled with hatred that Jesus crashed in on in the midst of their hatred. He just ignored it, seemingly, and poured his love on them. I think the Apostle Paul is one of those great examples. Folks, Let's develop a culture where we feel comfortable and free to tell each other our dreams because we know we won't be judged for them. And we have an attitude of, instead of, I know what that means, we can have a, you know what, dreams and their interpretation belong to God, so I don't know what it means quite. I'm going to ask my brothers and sisters around me what it means. And if we can create a culture of safety and love and honor towards one another, we will be able to not only have incredible dreams, but we'll be able to interpret those incredible dreams together. You know, it's not an accident that God insisted that there were at least four people who carried the Ark of the Covenant. 
on their shoulders with long poles. Why? Because God's presence is not limited to any singular individual. His manifest presence is for a company of people. His manifest presence is for a family of people. His manifest presence is for a community in cities. His manifest presence is not just for you and me on our own. And if we're going to carry the presence of God in this city, we better learn to buddy up together and carry it shoulder to shoulder with one another. Amen? Amen. Boom! We just knocked down the little idol of the American dream that puts us at the epicenter of it all, and it's all about me. Shaka banga. Number five, family walks in the fear of the Lord. Remember, the king is in all dreams. I've already touched on that. I got ahead of myself. No dream has us as the hero. Jesus is the true hero of our dreams. Number six, this is very important. Folks, we are not a hospital. We are not a hospital. We're not a hospital where we all come every Sunday with all kinds of wounds because we've been out there in the world and the world's a really dangerous place. <laughs> and you know, I mean, my, my children go to public school. I've got a job. And, uh, and you know, I just got contaminated. And, then, and there's, just, there's just, just a lot of evil in this world. And I'm really frightened all the time. And I just, just I can hardly breathe, but thank God it's Sunday. I'm going to get there. Here we go. Oh, I'm in church. Jesus did not save you to make you a wimp. You are dangerous. And the world is not safe with you in it. You are a champion. And there were some other people that weren't in Joseph's dreams. Potiphar wasn't in Joseph's dream. The jailer wasn't in Joseph's dream. The Midianites weren't in Joseph's dream. Let me tell you something, everybody. Make a decision in your heart that if you are a successful person, and there are many of you, the vast majority of you in this room are being an amazing success. You're an amazing success at home. Okay, you're not a perfect husband. You're like me. You're almost perfect, but you're not quite perfect. And then you're an amazing wife, but you're not quite perfect. Okay, like my wife, you know, an amazing wife, just, just not quite perfect. Okay, focus on what's amazing about them and not what's not perfect. Okay, that's just a little freebie there. But make a decision in your heart. You are a lot more of a success in your workplace than you give yourself credit for, and certainly than you give Jesus credit for. And you have a giant slayer dwelling on the inside of you, the son of David, who's been slaying giants for centuries. You have a great big God on the inside of you. And there is a little itty-bitty devil out there. And he's defeated. He's a serpent with a crushed head. You need to walk tall with a humble heart, but a tall stature in the Lord. Okay? And make a decision that as a successful person in this church, you are going to lay down your life for every single Joseph that you come across who looks like they're in chains, who looks like they're afflicted by the Midianites, who looks like they're afflicted by Potiphar's, you be a pharaoh to those Josephs in this church. Make a decision. You know what? I'm a successful human being. 
But that person there looks like they're going through difficulty. In fact, have you noticed that the peoples who are going through difficulty often in church don't look like they're the ones going through difficulty. They might be some of the richest members of the church, the wealthiest members monetarily of the church, might be the people that are going through the most difficult times. Might be the people that are being prepared to serve in Pharaoh's court. But make a decision during the week. Lord, I ask you with all my heart, Lord, would you show me every day the people that you've called me to help make them a success. Lord, as I come into the meeting on Sunday to worship, give me x-ray vision as a strong person in the Lord, in your mighty power, to be a person of encouragement, to come alongside somebody. Give me x-ray vision to see beyond their nice, smiley faces that look like they're a success, but on the inside, their marriage is falling apart, their business is falling apart, or maybe not. They might just be about to make the biggest decision that they've ever made in their life to go twice the size that they currently are as a business. And you make a decision in your heart to just ask the Lord. You hear his voice and you go up and you give that one word of encouragement and boom, that's all it needed for somebody to become a champion Joseph in Pharaoh's court. Be the butler. Be the butler, everybody. Okay? And don't just think of the church. Be the butler in the world. Let's stand, everybody. Number six, in family, we champion each other's dreams. We become the dream facilitators. We become the butler. We become the person that God uses to take what's at dream level into reality. John Arnott, the Holy Spirit spoke to him in May 2000 when Kate and I got to a conference. He'd never seen us, never set eyes on us before. And as we walked in, our dreams were shattered. We felt like Joseph. We felt chained up, bound up. We had no clue how we were ever going to reach our destiny and how we were ever going to fulfill our dreams. And by the way, we were at the center of all of our dreams at that time. And we were miserable. And as we walked into a conference... The Holy Spirit said, that's the tall Englishman that I told you two years ago would be your first executive director. There he is. I was miserable. I was the chief shoveler of cow manure on our farm. But God saw Kate and I's heart. And in a moment, one encounter with John Arnott asked us for coffee. And he invited us onto his team. Within three months, we were in Toronto living in Canada instead of England. Within two more months, I was in charge of the entire ministry of 160 staff and 10 directors that were under me, and I reported to John. You see, in my dreams, I never saw John Arnott. I just saw myself. If you're here today and you know you have a dream, I want you to just get in touch with that. Last week, we all came up. This week, I just want you to just, right where you are in your, in your seat, just get in touch with the dream that's in your heart. And make a decision in your heart that you're gonna fire yourself as the hero of that dream. 
And from now on, let Jesus be the hero, the true glorious king that he is, the Pharaoh that you never saw. Let him take your dream and breathe his life into it and turn you into a servant-hearted king like him. And make a decision if you're successful then be a success for everyone around you. Share that success. Be a butler. If your dreams worked out good with God, be a butler. Ask God for x-ray vision to show you Joseph's future champion leaders that are literally languishing in their own feces and urine of their own poor decisions. But God doesn't see the feces and the urine. He doesn't even smell it. He sees the beauty behind the poop. And make a decision in your heart. You're going to become a rescuer of those in dungeons.